Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the local church. My name is Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors here at the local church. Excited that you're here. We're in a series called Wise Dumb or Wisdom. How do we have a better, more wisdom-filled life? We've hopefully you've been reading through the book of Proverbs with us, and uh, it's been a fantastic journey through that book of wisdom. Uh, Pastor Eric talked last week about the power of words. If you missed that teaching, an incredible teaching about words, go back and grab it. It's on our YouTube channel. It's also on our app. I want to encourage you to, to watch that and take some good notes about the power or the impact that your words can have. I want to welcome those that are online right now. I want to welcome those, uh, our friends at ECI. And uh, I'm excited to be here because I think God has given me something to share. And I hope you'll take some notes. I hope you'll write something down because, uh, you know, whether it be on your phone or on, you know, actual pencil and paper if you want. Uh, because I want to give you something that you didn't have when you came in. So again, glad that you're here. I want to start today by asking a question. How many of you are fans of Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. Thanksgiving, the forgotten holiday, isn't it? Right? We go from candy corns right into candy canes, and we skip the candy yams, don't we? We just go right through Thanksgiving like it doesn't exist. My wife is a huge Thanksgiving fan. She loves Thanksgiving, but you'd never know it existed in some places. You know, you can buy, uh, it was a couple weeks ago, you could buy a Halloween costume and a Christmas tree, uh, one aisle from each other. Thanksgiving is often forgotten, but I think there's two different types of Thanksgivings. The first is that one in the Publix commercial. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's all in slow motion and there's that wonderful soft music playing and the dog is chasing and the dog is even smiling. This is a wonderful day and the food comes out piping hot and it's delicious and it's so amazing and we love, oh, it's, you, just, you just feel Thanksgiving in the Publix commercial or maybe you have a Thanksgiving like I did growing up. The food, meh. Right? Okay. A bunch of randos sitting around the table, people you don't know. And then, you know, eventually ends up with a guest appearance from the cops at the end, right? That's, there's two different kinds of Thanksgivings, I think, a lot of times. So, so why, why, we, why do we put ourselves through this? Why do we do Thanksgiving? Why don't we just, you know, Uber Eats in some Taco Bell and, and call it a day, right? Because I think it's this. I think it's people. I think it's people. I think we like having people, some of us do, around us. Family, friends, coworkers, right? It's, it's kind of like a relationship laboratory Thanksgiving is. I mean, it's everybody you know around the same table, and it's, you look around, you're like, wow, I have relationships with each and every one of these people. It's a personality soup trying to navigate through conversations and pleasantries and niceties. But I think there's this desire in all of us, this connection that God has put there. In fact, I put it there in your notes. We are designed by God to connect with others. We are designed by God to connect with others. There's this thing inside of us that wants to connect with other people. Genesis 2, verse 18 says it this way. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. There's a drive or a desire in us. He wants us to make friends. He, he wants some of us to, to marry. He wants some of us to go out on dates. He wants us to make connections at work. Right? We're designed to be connected to other people. But man, this is tough sometimes, isn't it? Relationships can be tricky. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to have wiser relationships. I called today's teaching relationship issues. Because I think a lot of us, including me, from time to time, have relationship issues. Being a good friend, or a good spouse, or dating the right people, or showing love and forgiveness in a relationship. We're going to talk about all these things today. So again, I want to encourage you. 
to take notes. You know why relationships are not always easy? Here's some insight for you. Because there are a lot of fools out there. All right, that's, that's harsh. Let's call them anti-wise or wisdomless. Is that better? Wisdomless? We'll go with that. There's a lot of wisdomless people out there. You probably know some of them. It's tough. They make relationships challenging. But here's some good news. God gives us a lot of wisdom on how to do relationships. Throughout the entire book of Proverbs, there's proverb after proverb after proverb of people of God saying, here's how you interact with others in a wise way. We can all get better at this. I'm going to break it out really at the beginning. I want to talk about two different groups. The first group is this. Please fill this in. Let's talk about friends. Friends. How do we get better and have wiser relationship with our friends? I was looking the other day through a whole bunch of old boxes, and I found my high school yearbook. I don't know about, and that was a long time ago, the class of 19 something. The book was not stone. It was actually paper. We had color pictures. And uh, I looked through the book, and I'm like, you ever look through your old yearbook? You, you read what people write in the old yearbook? In fact, before we do that, I, I, wanna, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to share a picture of my, I'm going to show you my senior picture. Let's take a look at it. There it is. Yes. Now, here's the deal. I want you to appreciate the hair, so I took the background out for the second one. Let's look at it. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, that was a, that's, a, that's actually my hair. That's amazing. It kind of looks like a microphone, the cover at the top of that. That's my senior. Anyway, that's, that's free. That's all free. As I was looking through my high school yearbook, you can take that down. There, thanks. Thanks. I looked at through the yearbook, and I was reading what people wrote. You ever read what your friends wrote? I, I wrote a couple of them down in my notes. Elizabeth wrote, you plus me, friends for always. Corey wrote, I'm really glad I became friends with you last year. Jen wrote, even though you're going to a rival college, I, went, I want to KIT. You know what KIT means? It's a yearbook speak for keep in touch. You never use that in your entire life, but here in the yearbook they did. And then Jared wrote, you are a good friend. You know how many people I'm still friends with in my high school? That's sad. You all think Zero. <laughs> Like five people went zero. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, it's zero. Not one. Why? Why aren't I friends? I mean, we were KIT. They told me to stay cool, and of course I did that, but the rest of it, I, I forgot all of it. Why didn't I keep those friends? Because I was not great at picking friends in high school. And I think the reason that a lot of us don't have good, long-lasting friends, even as adults, is we still haven't learned how to do it. We choose friends that are temporary, and we move on, all right? We forget to K-I-T. We settle for people that make us laugh. We have fun with them. Maybe they're not the greatest influences, but man, they're fun to hang out with. They make wonderful Instagram photo friends, but we're not close to them. How do we make wiser choices with our friends? I'm not talking about the, the what's up friends. I'm talking about those inner circle friends, the ones you go to when things melt down. How do, we, how do we get better at picking those types of friends that speak loudly into our life? Here's the thing. I want to give you some wisdom. This isn't from me. This is right out of scripture, okay? Please write this down. Wise people choose honest friends. Wise people choose honest friends. Proverbs 27, starting in verse 5. This is better is open rebuke or open correction than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are many are the kisses of an enemy. I found that friends come in two flavors. The first type of friend tells you you have food in your teeth. Second type of friend tries to pick it out for you, right? 
you want the second type of friend. You want someone that's willing to go to bat for you and stand up for you and stand with you and be that kind of inner circle friend that you need. We want to have those wise friends. When friend says you have nasty breath and they offer you a mint, that's important to take. Now, here's, here's a little, this is all free too. I want to just park it a second. Two things you'd never refuse, godly advice and a breath mint, okay? Because if someone's offering you a breath mint, they're trying to tell you something, okay? You get me? That's all free. Back to, back to the message. Okay. We need to pick friends who are lovingly willing to wound us. You ever been wounded by a friend? They mean well. They're trying to help you, but they're willing to tell you the truth about yourself. That's the kind of friend you want. In fact, Oscar Wilde, the playwright, he said, true friends stab you in the front. Oh, what a cool quote. Because you've had friends before that have stabbed you in the back. True friends are willing to face you when they do it. And say, hey, I want to help you with this. I want to help you fix this. That's the wisdom we need. We need to find those friends that are willing to confront us. And not just tell us things we want to hear. Just because they love us. I wrote this in my notes. Real friends are more concerned with making us better than they are making us happy. Those are the kind of friends you're looking for. To make you a better person. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 27, 17. It's up on the screens. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Real friends should make us better. Inner circle friends. I put three traits of what an inner circle friend should be. In fact, I want you to, if you again, write them down. Here's the first one. An inner circle friend, a real friend, stands beside you, not behind you. They also share your values and they speak the loudest. These are people that should be speaking the loudest in your life. These are the people that when you're not in the room and somebody's speaking poorly of you, they have your back. Find those friends. They'll defend you no matter what. Then they'll ask you, is this really what happened? But they'll have your back in the meantime. They'll take the heat with you. They have the same moral center, the same belief system that you have. Those are the kind of friends you want to find. The, the, the friends that have your best interests in mind, not their own. So, does a name come to mind? Hopefully it does. For a lot of us, though, we can't think of one friend like that. If you have one, hold on to them. They're gems. They're very valuable. If you get a half a dozen of those in your lifetime, thank God for them. Those are the kind of wise friends we want to choose. So who's in your inner circle? Because I believe this, the people in your inner circle can lead you closer to Christ or further away. They're speaking the loudest in your life. They can lead you closer to God or away from God. You know, a lot of people, I want to give you this before I, before I say that. I want to give you this really quickly. A lot of people are like, okay, pastor, who should be in my inner circle? And I say this, if you're a Christ follower, your inner circle should be made up of Christ followers. Does that mean you should have no Christian friends? Of course not. You should have non-Christian friends. But if you're a Christ follower, your inner circle, the people you go to for advice should be Christ followers. Why is that? Because they share your values. They're learning from Christ the way you are learning from Christ. Of course you're going to have friends that don't believe. But if you're a Christ follower, your inner circle, the people that speak loudest into your life, they should be Christ followers. Now, it doesn't let you off the hook if you're not a Christ follower. You still want to pick good inner circle friends. You want to look at those people and go, is that where I want to be? Is that the kind of behavior I want to have? Or I'm just hanging around with them because they're fun. Your, your inner circle is important. Who do you turn to when crisis happens? Who is speaking loudest? 
in your life. I have good news for you. Did you know you get to pick your own friends? Did you know that? You also get to pick your kids' friends too, but that's a different message. You really should. But you get to choose your own friends. And when they change or flip or get different, you're like, you know what? They're not a good influence on me anymore. Here's another thought. You get to tell them, it's been fun. You can change your friends. I'm not saying that sarcastically. It's true. You get to pick who speaks loudest in your life. Now, a lot of us think, you know, that inner circle really doesn't matter. We know they're not good for us, but you know what? They're not going to rub off on me. Scripture disagrees. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. You don't see it, but they're rubbing off on you. Be careful who you let in. Choose wise friends, honest, wise friends. Okay, so there's the friendship part. Let's get into number two. Marriage and dating. How to have wisdom in marriage and wisdom while we are dating. Let's play a game. You want to play a game? This is the interactive portion of our day together. Here it is. Ready? I'm going to say a phrase, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Ready? Here it is. Happy wife. No, that's incorrect. The answer here is happy wife is impossible. Happy wife is impossible. I'm just kidding. It's happy life. All right, here's, all right, let's come up with, let me give you another one. Okay, ready? Here we go. Happy husband. The silence should say a lot. Here's the reason there's no answer to that. Because if you're a husband, it doesn't matter if you're happy or not. Only happy wife, happy life. I wish that weren't true. No, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Just a joke. Marriage is tough, isn't it? I talk to so many couples and they're like, oh, the wedding. We're so stressed out about the wedding and the flowers and the flower girl. and the." I tell them the easiest part of your marriage is the wedding. <laughs> Man, it's true. Marriage is tough. How do we have wisdom in the marriage? Or they tell me this. I always ask them when I'm doing premarital counseling, do you guys have a strategy for conflict? And they say, oh, pastor, love is all we need. Anybody married in the room today? Online? Yeah. Is that right? Love is all we need. No. No, I wish. You have to have a strategy. Again, wisdom is important in marriage. Now, if you're single, don't check out on me. I'm going to talk to you in just a minute. But marriage is tough. Here's why. There's a lot of marriage foolishness going on. Right? There's some poor communication. There's arguing over nothing. Stubbornness. Resentment. Right? Here's, some, here's two quick signs that there's wisdom in your marriage. Here's number one. Please fill this in. There's one clear winner at the end of every fight. There's one clear winter, winner at the end of every fight. Now, you hang with me. That's how you can tell there's, there's, there's wisdom in it. Because there's one clear winner. How long did it take you to get into your first fight when you got married? Was it a day? A week? A month? I've done, because I heard somebody say hour. Yeah, I've actually done a, a wedding where they were fighting at the altar. And I thought, that's a good start, right? You have to have a plan for conflict. You, I, I found this. In most marriages, there's a peacekeeper and a, I don't want to say warmonger, but somebody who loves to argue, right? It just seems to be that's the pairing. If there were two warmongers or two fighters, it would be tough. If there were two peacekeepers, that would be... But there's always that one that just loves to argue. You know who they are, right? If, they, if you brought them, if you brought them, don't elbow them. I can see. I can see, right? I want to talk to the second type. I want to talk to the arguer. 
Proverbs 17, 19. Here's some wisdom. Anyone who loves to fight or quarrel loves what? Sin. Are you married to one of these uh, people? Did you put a ring on a person who just loves to fight? It doesn't matter what it is, right? They want to have the last word. They pick and they pick and they pick and they pick and they pick until you decide, okay, that you want to fight? Let's do this. They have the last word. They always have to be right. They don't ever let it go. They use coercion, intimidation. Maybe they dig up ancient history on you. Something that happened a long time ago that you thought was all put away. That person loves to quarrel and sin brings it up. You know somebody like that? These are people who they're in the middle of an argument and realize they are totally wrong. But they'll keep fighting because they have to win. I see finger pointing. Don't do that. Be nice. God gives us a great wisdom on here. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It says, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Now, it's important to know this, okay? This is fighting. It doesn't say don't bring things up. It doesn't say don't have disagreements. It doesn't say, go, don't talk about the deep stuff. It says, don't let it lead to a fight. Figure out new ways to deal with this. How to communicate peacefully. Pastor Eric talked about it last week and did a great job talking about how we should just, you know, listen more than we speak. Control our words. Seek to understand, not dominate or intimidate. Because here's the truth. When fights get bad, no matter who wins the argument... Both sides really lose. You can go and buy the biggest ring in the jewelry store, and you can have the most sincere and deep apology, but once you've wounded someone and that scar is there, there's only so much you can do to fix it. Scripture says the wise look for opportunities to not have fights, because really, in a fight like that, both sides lose. So what are we supposed to do? We talked about it last week. Pause. Take a little breath. Pray. And then respond. How many arguments in your marriage could have been avoided with 10 seconds of waiting to, before you responded? If it's like my marriage, a lot of them. We need to wait. Pause. Think. I put this in your notes. The winner of every fight should be the marriage. The winner of every fight should be the marriage. Points are going to come and go. People are going to have disagreements. But you, ultimately, you want restoration, not retaliation. You want to keep that marriage whole. I'm not saying don't talk about deep stuff. Just learn how to do it like adults. Tough. This is tough. But it's wisdom straight out of scripture. Everything else that we would do to handle it is foolish. Here's the second thing. The second way you know your marriage has wisdom is the priorities align with God's design. And I've done a lot of counseling over the years, talking with couples. And it's, they come in and they go, it's not a money issue. It's not a uh, whatever issue. It's, it usually boils down to a priority issue. The marriage has the wrong set of priorities. Now, it's the right things, but in the wrong order. Let's, let's unpack it. So what priority should my marriage have? Here's the first one. In every marriage, the first priority should be God. God. Scripture says this in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God. God should be first. What does this look like in a marriage? Bible reading, family prayer, coming to church, serving others, generosity. 
That's where family should be. And I, I, I can see it already in some of your eyes. I'm the only believer in the house. He or she is not into God like I am. I want to encourage you, if that's the case for you, you keep God first in your marriage. You keep living out your faith in front of your spouse. They're watching. They're seeing it. Keep praying for them. And at some point, we pray that both of you would see God at the top of, your, of, top of that list. Don't give up. Don't compromise what you believe because your spouse, it makes them uncomfortable. Live out your faith in front of them. God bless you. Notice where it gets a little bit painful. What's the second priority? Your spouse. Your spouse. Genesis 2.24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. You become one with your spouse. Right? Your dreams become his dreams. His, the, the, dream, the checking accounts combine or whatever. You become one with your spouse, not one with your kids. So that brings us to priority number three. The children, if you have them. Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. I talk to a lot of couples, and I find that a lot of times we forget the last part of that verse. What are arrows supposed to do? Be sent out. We're raising our kids to be sent out. But in so many homes, the kids run the place. They decide where you go on vacation. They decide what food you eat. They decide what movies you watch at night. And what happens is the spouse silently sits on the sidelines going, I used to have her attention like that. Or I used to have his attention like that. And then resentment builds and nobody's ever going to say anything. But the children are taking over your home. Children are, 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 are a gift from God, but they're designed to be sent out. You have them, you love them, you raise them, and then you send them out. Fly, children, fly. They're not going to be in your house forever. One day it's just going to be you and your spouse. You don't want to have the last kid move out, and you look over at your spouse and go, who are you again? We stopped dating a long time ago because the kids, we, the kids needed our time. I, I put it this way in your notes. A fulfilled spouse will be around longer than a full house. Your spouse will still be there when that last bedroom door closes and has all emptied out. Your priority should be God, your spouse, and your children. If they're out of whack in any way, that's why there's stress in marriages. The wisdom comes right from scripture. This is the order God wants it to be. God first, spouse second, children third. You fourth. Wow. Wisdom. Not always easy to hear. All right, my single friends. A couple days ago was National Singles Day, so this one goes out to you. I'm going to give you advice that I give to every single single person I ever talk to. Here it is. It's deep. Better to be single than married to a fool. Now, let me give you a little warning on that. If you're already married to a fool, I'm not saying leave them. They're your fool. It's your circus. Fix it, okay? What I am saying is if you're single, it's better to be by yourself than pick the wrong person. So what does that look like? Well, it starts off with he's perfect. And then you realize that he has flaws or she has flaws. And you say, well, now he's a project. I'll fix him. Oh, she's, I mean, she's close. 
We'll get her there. And then they go from perfect to project to placeholder. We marry them because we're bored and lonely until somebody better comes along. That's not the direction God has for your singlehood. God says, while you're single, work on yourself. And if someone comes along, you'll be ready for them. And if not, you're still whole in Christ. You don't need anyone to complete you other than God. Better to be single than married to a fool. All right, moving on. I could have listed a bunch of other relationships. I, I thought about family. I thought about your boss. You know, there's a whole bunch. But you know, as I did research this week, I figured there was two traits that were in every wise relationship, okay? Two traits. I want to give them to you this way. Please fill this in. Here's the first one. All wise relationships include forgiveness. All wise relationships include forgiveness. Proverbs 17 says, love prospers when a fault is what? Let's try this again. Love prospers. Like, is this on? Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Oh, that word, forgiveness. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Lack of forgiveness separates relationships. We have to choose to forgive. Now, this isn't easy. I know. But when we forgive, we have to remember it's not that they win. It's not even that they were right. It's that you've chosen not to let them live rent-free in your head anymore, and you're going to move forward with your life. So many of us miss this. We're afraid to forgive because that means I lost. No. It just means you moved forward. Because here's the thing. They've probably forgotten long ago about what happened. But you keep bringing that little greatest hits out in your head and living that out, right? Choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. Oftentimes I find that a lot of people can't enjoy relationships they're in now because of lack of forgiveness from the past. Like, you know, a new girlfriend. You can't enjoy the girlfriend that God has provided for you now because you're still hung up on the one that just dumped you. You haven't forgiven her for it. You can't enjoy the church that you're in now because you're still hung up on the church hurt from the church you came from. Or maybe it's a boss. You can't enjoy the new job that you're in because you haven't, the last boss you had was a fool or wiseless. And now the new boss doesn't have a chance because you've not forgiven the old one. I put it this way in your notes. Please fill this in. Stop punishing new relationships with old pain. Stop punishing people now because you haven't been able to get past your past. It doesn't make you bad. It makes you human. But choose to forgive so you can move on. So the people that you're in a relationship with today, you can be 100% in with them. So identify the real cause of the hurt. What has caused me to hurt? I want to move on from that. So that's forgiveness. Every wise relationship has forgiveness. I want to land on this final point, love. The last thing that every wise relationship has in it is love, forgiveness and love. And I love, Jesus was asked the question, uh, teacher, what is the most important commandment? I mean, these religious law people were trying to trip him up because they were hoping he would say something. He'd pick one and they would go, okay, Jesus, that means we can disobey the others. And Jesus is like, no, no, I'm going to boil them down for you. I'm going to give you the most important commandments of all. And it's found in Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. Jesus replied to that question. He says, you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He just summed up everything we need for healthy relationships in one statement. Love God and love everybody else. So what does that look like? What, let's, let's break out the second part first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who, who's our neighbor? Everybody. 
everybody, not the person necessarily who lives next door, although they are part of your neighbors. It's, it's everybody. But how do we love at all times? Please fill that in. How do we love at all times? Proverbs 3. Go, let's go back to the book of wisdom. Proverbs 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let love never leave you. Love at all times. That means wise relationships look like this. There's encouragement, not criticism. There's second chances. There's forgiveness, right? Thinking the best of someone. That's the kind of love God's talking about here. Love people. Think the best of them. Look for things you can be positive about. So we're to love at all times, but we're also supposed to love the unlovable. Love the unlovable. This one's really hard. Because I'm sure names come to mind right now, people that you're like, nope, I'm not loving that person. God says, yeah, you need to. Why? Look at the verse. 1 John 4, 19. Why do we love the unlovable? We love each other because what? He loved us first. Do you feel worthy of God's love? I don't. I'm as broken a dude as you can get. I mean, you saw the, the kid in the picture there. I, I make mistakes every day. Do I deserve God's love? Every day I wake up, do I have it? Yeah. I don't deserve that level of love, but God gives it to me willingly. So when I look at somebody in my life and I want to judge them and exclude them from my love, I have to think about this verse. If God's willing to love me, I need to be willing to at least see them through his eyes. At least be willing to say, there's got to be something positive about this person. Even if it's just they're just a child of God, God made them. God loves your enemies as much as he loves you. That's a lot to get your brain around, but it's the truth. We need to love because God first loved us. Everybody that you struggle with in your life, they're all works in progress like you are. God says we have to love them at all times. Does that mean we have to run up and give them a hug? No. Respect them. Sometimes the toughest people in your life are teaching you a lesson you haven't seen yet. God's preparing you for something. I don't know what God's plans are, but God knows what he's doing. We need to love them at all times and love our enemies. So let's go back to the first part as we wrap up. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, Jesus said. It's the most important relationship you could ever have. It's not a relationship with anybody on the earth. The most important relationship you can have is the one with Christ himself, with God himself. The most important relationship you'll ever be in is one with God. And we wonder, why aren't my relationships working out on the earth? Why isn't this working? Because this doesn't exist, our relationship with God. And we struggle, and we wonder, and we worry. I wrote it this way in the notes. The relationships we want start with the one that we need. It's really hard to choose godly friends when you don't know the heart of God. It's really tough to have God in your marriage when you don't know what that relationship looks like yourself. But yeah, we struggle with, we, I, I, I want to go on a podcast, I want to fix my, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my marriage, my friendships, my family, my boss. I want to fix all these things, but yet I'm disconnected from the power source. I think the most important relationship you can have is the relationship with God. 
And so many, so many try to fix this without setting up this. And the great part is God wants that relationship. That's why we're here. He wants to have that relationship with you. So the greatest, most wise decision you could ever make in your life isn't how to fix your marriage. It's how to connect with your creator. How to say, you know what? I don't understand all this, but I'm going to give everything about me that I understand to everything about him that I understand. And I'm going to admit, you know, God, I blow it every single day. I make mistakes all the time. And God, I believe that you came down to the earth and you were, they, they, they put all of our sins on you. They put all the, all the punishment I deserved. God, you carried that to the cross. And you died on that cross for me. And then three days later, you resurrected. You came back so that we could spend eternity together. What a relationship. And Father, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to not being perfect, but to following you. Because I know the only way my relationships here will get better is if this relationship exists. That's it. There's no magic prayer here. There's no secret words that we say. You're not going to glow when you pray that prayer, but you'll be forever changed. When you ask Christ here and you say, you know what, I don't understand all this, but I want him, I want him to lead me. Something happens. The Holy Spirit comes in and you may not always have the right words in your relationships, but you're going to have a guide. The Holy Spirit's going to nudge you how to have stronger relationships. And when, you, when your friends drain you, God's going to restore you. And all those things are wonderful, but you're also going to know this, that when this time with these relationships are done, you're going to spend eternity with him. So I just want to take a second, if you would allow me to do that, and lead you in a prayer. Now, if you're ready, if you say, you know what, I've been checking out this for a while, and I'm starting to feel a nudge on my heart, that that's the relationship that I've been missing. I'm going to invite you just right where you're sitting, and we're all going to bow our heads in just a second. I just want to invite you to be honest with God. It's not the words I'm going to share with you. It's the condition of your heart. Are you ready to set up that relationship first? The wisest one of all. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now and we don't understand all this. We want wiser relationships, but Father, we, we know there's something missing. Father, I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I make mistakes every day. God, I believe that you came over 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for me. And you resurrected for me so you could have an eternal relationship with me. And God, I give everything I understand about me to everything I understand about you. And I commit to living my life in a way that honors you. Help me, Father. Walk with me, God. I confess these things. Save me, Lord. Father, I pray for each and every heart that just prayed that prayer. That now they know their eternity is secure in you. And that, Father, you're walking with them forever. Thank you for the opportunity that we have, imperfect, broken relationship people, to enter into a wonderful, beautiful, eternal relationship with you. We give you the praise and the glory for what you're doing in this room today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card on the seat back in front of you. It says connect. Please let us know. We'd love to give you a Bible, get you started in your walk. But I believe this with my whole heart. There are people in here that are Christ followers. You prayed that prayer a while ago and you're like, I, 
my relationships are struggling. I want to end today with praying for you. Can we do that? I don't know what the relationship is, but you do. More importantly, he does. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you now, and I pray for each and every beating heart in this room. I pray, Father, that you would restore the relationships that are broken. Give us the courage to forgive and move on, God. Allow us, Father, to see the relationship through your eyes. God, I don't know if it's a marriage or a friendship, whether it's job relationships, family. But as we head into Thanksgiving, God, I pray that you would just continue to work in our hearts just to, 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 to make those crooked paths straight to the Father, maybe for the first time as we sit around the table this year. There's just a new sense of love and connection and togetherness and family that we haven't had before. We thank you and we praise you for what you're going to about to do in every relationship in this room and online. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.